This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 316. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by co-host and producer extraordinaire, Matthew Marister. What's up, man? And special guest, Jeff Gonzalez. How's it going, everyone? <laughs> this, I think this is your third appearance on our podcast. So It is. It is. That is... Uh, that's... that's uh, that's a rare thing. <laughs> you are. Well, in. I'm very honored to be on the podcast for three times. I pulled up the Facebook Live to see some of the comments, and unfortunately, I think I can also hear myself in the background. So I'm not sure how that's going to work. But anyhow, just turn it down, brother. Just turn it down. <laughs> Great idea. There we go. Great, fantastic. Yeah. Technology has not evaded me yet. Wow, <laughs> that's great. Uh, all right. So, I did try to mute button, so that was what I was working on. <laughs> so we are here today, uh, thrilled to do this episode with Jeff. Actually, I was on the phone with Jeff yesterday. Uh, I he called me. It's it was my bad. I've been supposed to like get back to him for a while, and uh, he he's like, dude, like, when am I going to come on the podcast next? And I was like, how about tomorrow? So, <laughs> bam! Look at that. <laughs> yeah, so that worked out well. I was like, oh, okay, so I will I will respond to your comment with a invitation for tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, damn, okay. <laughs> Folks, uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, what's holding you back, okay? Uh, and this came from a conversation that Jeff and I had talking about, you know, I mean, Jeff's been instructing for a long time. Uh, I've been doing the same, not as long as Jeff, but or certainly not with the background that that Jeff has but uh, but I, I agree with him in that there's you know however many millions of gun owners in the country right out of those it's a small fraction that actually carry a gun right or, or even have a concealed carry permit so actually let's talk about permits and then out of the permits those actually have concealed carry permits it's a small fraction that actually carry every day or Let's say let's let's you know what every day might be a stretch for some people. Let's let's give people leeway and say eighty percent of the time. All right, yeah. I I would like to think every day, right? But maybe you know there's there's probably some exceptions. Okay, so few people fraction a fraction of gun of concealed carry permittees carry eighty percent of the time or more, and then even out of those, it's an even smaller fraction still of those that I think really like take it deep, you know, into their lifestyle, into their psyche. Uh, that make you know take it seriously and get a lot of training you know pursue trying to get like better at things right um, and that's not to like poo poo on anybody like right number one if you're a gun owner and if you support Second Amendment like we're on the same side if you have a permit we're even more on the same side if you carry a gun at all uh, we're we're best buds but you know one of the reasons we started this podcast three over three years ago was to teach inspire and encourage concealed carriers to constantly seek you know perfection and to get better and and more consistent with things so does that sound like a good summary of kind of like some things we we're gonna cover here today jeff it, it really does um you know to go a little bit more into depth on that conversation we were commenting about how you know we see a lot of applicants come to our facility to do the 
state required license to carry course. And we stay in touch with a lot of them because uh, we're, you know, very centrally located to see a lot of them come back for practice sessions and whatnot. And I will occasionally chat with some of them. And the first thing that I mentioned to you was the number of folks that will come in for their license uh, that rent a gun from us, which is, you know, every, every class that we're doing, which varies from size from like 25 to 35 students in a class. We'll see probably about, I would say two to four that, that are coming there to, to get their license without a gun. So clearly that means that, you know, they're not gun owners, which is fine. Again, like you're saying they're if their mind is in the right spot, then it's a steady progress. And then as I communicate with them throughout the, you know, interactions there at the range facility, um, I'll ask them, you know, have you gotten your license yet? And usually I'll get a response like, oh man, I'm still waiting. I kind of took a little bit longer to submit it. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. But those that say, yeah, I got it back. It was pretty quick. You know, it took me about 30, 45 days. I'm like, oh, great. So have you, have you started carrying? And they're like, nah, oh, man, I'm not, I'm not really ready for that. And so that opens up a lot of dialogue that we've had with a lot of these customers and potential students as to the why, you know, what's, what's holding you back. And it's been really interesting to hear the perspectives. You know, we can speculate. And a lot of times um, on our end, we'll probably give it a little bit of a snide response or snide comment as to why people aren't training and taking it as seriously as others. And what I've learned is that there's a, first of all, there's a lot of things going on. It's not just that simple. It's like you were saying, we have a lot of variables to contend with. There's everything from work to family to resources and time. Um, I call them the three things, you know, it's, um, they've got to be able to invest their, their time, their talent, and their treasure. And so that asks a lot of everybody. So we continue to interact with them to try to learn, you know, are, are there any obstacles in the way that we can handle? Like we can't handle, we can't manage um, their work schedule. We can't manage their family schedule. We can't manage some of that other stuff, but what is it that we can do on our end to help facilitate or reduce those barriers and bring them in for more um, higher education and training. And so it's been very interesting to have these conversations because, uh, you know, I like to, I like to think of myself as, you know, like my goal is to try to work with as many people as I possibly can. And if there's, if there's something that's preventing that, that's within my power that I can work at removing, resolving or working around, then, you know, that's what we're going to try to do. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's uh, a great perspective. And of course, <clears throat> you have the uh, opportunity. Uh, you run uh, the training side of the range yep. at Austin, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're also former Navy SEAL uh, right. and uh, did you know amazing things for, for our nation and, and for others. And we appreciate you for that. Um, oh, you know what? Real quick, dude, we totally yeah. skipped over we skipped over sponsors like dude oh. like we got, we, we got to give some love to our sponsors and one Please of those do. yeah one of those is is trident concepts <laughs> well, thank <laughs> so. you i appreciate that yeah we stopped we jump it's so familiar these days that we kind of skip the uh the formalities of sorts <laughs> so <laughs> but thank you i appreciate that yeah how how long have you had uh, trident concepts uh you know been in the business of training people so um Trident Concepts has officially been incorporated since 2003. We kind of started doing this a little bit sooner, but that's when it became legal. Mm. Um, so it's 16 plus years that we've been doing this. 
And, you know, it's been a tremendous, um, it's been just such an, uh, an amazing adventure journey, if you will. When I first started back then, there weren't many training, there weren't many trainers. Uh, there really weren't, there was a handful. And most of us knew one another pretty, pretty well. You know, it was a very small, tight-knit community. And, and that's a great thing. But one, one of the things that I took for granted was I, I kind of stayed in my lane, which was working on the special operations side of the house. And I worked with uh, those guys pretty exclusively. So where our reputation was that we had, you know, very demanding, challenging programs. And they were typically attended by you know, your special operations side, both on the law enforcement military, and then your what I consider to be your more serious aficionado of the art uh, from the private sector, the private citizenry. And we did that for a long time. And I'm, I was thrilled to do that. And we really kind of avoided a lot of the what I would consider to be beginner level, basic level classes. And uh, I'm number one, I just didn't have the time to do it. But I also really didn't have as much interest. Hmm. Because I was you know, that's kind of what I felt like my purpose was working on the special operations side of the house, getting these guys to be safe when they go down range or safe when they're doing warrants or whatever the case might be. And it probably was about seven years ago that we started working with a lot of the, um, the basic level classes. And then of course, as I took over as the director of training, well, as I took the position as director of training, cause it was a stand up kind of scenario plank owner, if you will, um, being, being in that role, really redefined my outlook on our community at, at large. And, you know, we are, you know, not to get too far off topic, but what, where we're at right now as a community is, um, you know, we're, we're really kind of in a, a bad place in the sense of there's, there's so much animosity directed towards us, everything from anti-gun to anti-gun legislation to, uh, you know, people that just have very evil and vile things to say because you wear a, a special color hat. And, you know, that really makes things difficult for us. So as I started to really pay more attention to all of this, um, I took on a different view, which was uh, we, and when I say we, I mean kind of some of the elite trainers, in a sense, we're doing a disservice to the community by not working at that level, the beginner level, the basic level, getting those folks through the doors and setting them on the right path. So for the last three years, especially, it's been phenomenal. I've had such a change of heart in where I feel like my purpose is and what I should be doing and how I should be doing it. Um, and that has led us to, uh, you know, Trident Concepts continuing to travel throughout the country, but we brought the Tricon curriculum and philosophy there to the range at Austin, um, uh, again, th about three years ago. So, mm. yeah. Uh, so Trident Concepts, tridentconcepts.com is where you can find, uh, Jeff and oh, his team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like closing the loop on on your little uh, My bad. <laughs> honorary sponsorship here, dude. Uh, and uh, uh, really cool things going on at the range at Austin, down in Austin, Texas. Uh, if you're anywhere in that neighborhood or care to travel down there, which there's plenty of reasons to to go there yeah. for training. Oh, for sure. Um, that'd be a, a, a good place to check out and find Jeff and his his team. Um, also, I, I, sh I would be remiss, it, you know, if I didn't mention uh, that uh, today's episode also made possible by your support of oh. the, well, talk about the listeners, of course, uh, but your support too, Jeff, because you're supportive <laughs> of us, uh, <laughs> your support of the Vehicle Firearm Tactics uh, uh, tra uh, 
video course that we have yeah. a DVD yeah. form of and also uh, the online version as well. This week, uh, we extended the sale. So I think through the end of this week, folks, if you use coupon code ROADTRIP2019, uh, this is, of course, available on our website, concealedcarry.com forward slash VFT, you'll get that uh, DVD or the online streaming video of that, your choice, for 20 bucks, which is about half off of what it normally is. And you'll get the $10 bonus of the Legal Boundaries by State uh ebook which uh yeah. a good little good, good little ebook and yeah. uh yeah so there we go um uh, <clears throat> now we got the official formalities out of the way uh Yay. we've already kind of started going down this 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 path but i'm gonna right. switch gears a little bit and, and kind of throw this over to matthew sure. matthew you've been teaching uh, instructing for a while as well yourself uh up there in columbus ohio uh you know, and I, I see your post, man. You know, I see students come through your classes, and they they all look thrilled because uh, I'm sure they come away having learned uh, quite a bit under your tutelage. But uh, uh, like, what do you see, and what sort of questions do you have for Jeff as far as it relates to um, the preparedness of students to come through your classes? And I mean, do you see a lot of repeat business? Do you see people getting more training? I mean, like, what 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 sort of experience do you have up there? And and uh, yeah, let's just keep the conversation going there. Yeah, so I, I think um, a couple things and tying it into what's holding you back. So I, I don't think I'm out of um, the norm when I say that it's very difficult to get students to return past the basic level classes. Um, and I think it, there's a couple reasons. One, you know, if it's state mandated training, they believe once they meet that criteria that somehow they've attained whatever knowledge they need to you know, acquire and that's it. Um, and so I think that's, that's a portion, um, that we, we need to, and I see this, um, and I appreciate that, um, Jeff, like you talked about kind of coming back to the basic, uh, student, because I think a few years ago, um, a lot of former military or law enforcement instructors are, they're awesome instructors, but it's a different mission, right? And so you have these basic level students that are coming in and they're not going to BUDS training. They're, they might not even, you know, um, want to get in the kneeling position, but we needed to get them to the point where they understand why it's important to learn those skills. And so um, I think for Jeff, I would just ask like, you know, you have a big brand recognition, you have a big name, you have a, a tremendous amount of knowledge. And um, how do you kind of um, look at it from your vantage point to say, you know what, I I could be teaching these, you know, extreme, you are, you're teaching, you know, higher level class as well, but I could be doing that. But I'm going to come back and, and touch the the basic student and get them to understand that, Hey, you don't need to have a drop holster and tech gear and all this stuff, but you do need to break outside of your NRA basic pistol class shooting at, you know, from a bench rest position. And how do you get them, you know, the old ladies or, the, or you know, the people that they just don't know what they don't know? Well, that is a great question. And I'll have to tackle it in kind of a couple of different ways. The first one is... The, uh, the biggest obstacle in, in a lot of cases is like a state mandated material, right? So here in the state of Texas, you attend a six hour class and then you submit all the proper paperwork and within 30 to 45 days, you'll have your license. In that state mandated class, they really focus on the understanding the law, 
right? Use of force, use of deadly force, um, where you can go, where you can't go, and then proper storage of the firearm in, in the home to avoid, you know, child accidents, if you will. So it, it, it's very small portion of it that actually talks about you know, like how to choose a holster, what type of holsters, how to carry, where to carry, how to conceal, how to defeat co cover garments, stuff like that. So the state does a good job of covering what I think is very important, which is the law. And the state also has a very strict view on the fact that if you go through that LTC class, you are upheld, you know, you're, you're going to be held to the letter of the law, but they really don't give you all the other nuts and bolts that goes along with that. So what we have done to try to help students to understand that there's a lot more to this is that we offer um, a buffet, if you will, for, for the, the beginner license to carry student. And that buffet comes in a lot of different forms. We have what we call prep classes. We have, um, which basically gives the student just, you know, the, the, because what we also found is sometimes we'll get an email from somebody saying, I'm just asking to see, are we going to be shooting in this class? We're like, um, yeah, yeah, you have to, you have to shoot and you have to pass the test. So there's a little anima, you know, anxiety built up there. So that prep class is designed to help give that student a little bit of warm and fuzzy about what to expect, also to get them comfortable with how to work. I mean, here's the problem that we ran into was we were running, we had so many students coming through that when we had a student that really had no knowledge, first time handling a gun, which isn't uncommon, uh, it really slowed down our process, which affected our overall time limit. So we had to actually come up with solutions to manage the, um, you know, the various skill levels that were coming to the class. So that's where a lot of these programs came from was, okay, let's identify the various skills and let's try to provide them with an opportunity to help um, meet, uh, you know, help to reduce some of the anxiety that they have. And what we learned is that the more information we can give the student in advance, the less anxiety they have. So we have so much information available. They get a ton of information in all of their email exchanges that we have. We maintain good connections with them once they've registered and even after they've registered. And that really helps to help reduce that anxiety. Then there's just the standard LTC class. They come in, that's it. Some people, that's all they want. And we have to, we have to provide that service. But then we go above and beyond with what we call our LTC Plus, which is the first opportunity for somebody to learn about how to select a holster how to select, you know, defensive handgun and how to select defensive ammunition. And we cover that, we get them on the range, and we go through some very basics of how to learn from, uh, how to learn to draw from the holster. And right then and there, there's a lot of light bulbs that go off because for the most part they realize, cause it's just like a two hour kicker, just at the end, they take a break, they come back two hours, they go through that stuff. And it's interesting because at that point, your comment, they don't know what they don't know. So that class is not really designed to provide them the tools that they need. That class is designed to help them become aware of what they don't know. And then all of a sudden they can make their decision about where they want to go from there. And we have several other carry classes that we offer. Um, so the last one that we have is what we call an LTC pro, which is where they come through the LTC class day one, six hours, and they come back on day two for a six hour carry one class, which is a little bit more, involved you know we go in much greater depth about the art of concealment and so many of those students come out of that class and it's great because that may be the last opportunity and the way we look at it is like okay we need to have the best experience with this student because it's probably going to be the last one we have and so we want to make sure that we send them out the door with the tools they need to to be safe and to be competent and so that LTC Pro has been a huge success. And we'll sit there. We just finished one up this past weekend, as a matter of fact. And um, 
we're sitting in the class and, you know, it's a smaller class of sorts because it's a little bit more time, time demand and a little bit more expense. And um, what's funny is the students are all looking around the class. I mean, they come from a big LTC class with their, like, I think this last weekend we had like 31 people in the class. So they come from this big class and there's only like five of them in the second day because it's all part of one big program. And they're like, where is everybody? I'm like, well, there's just this many that actually decided to sign up for the LTC Pro where you're at. And they're all shaking their heads like, you know, midday through the first brief. They're all like, my God, why aren't there more people in this class? So that's our struggle is trying to get the information out there. But it's the old adage, you cannot force a horse to drink. You can only lead them to water. So we offer other things to try to help stay in contact with these students and encourage them to come back. Hey, come back and come to this little uh, workshop that we do or come shoot these little matches that we have or come in and, and, and get some, uh, get the opportunity to work through the pro professional development that I do. So I, I make that available every month, whatever I'm doing for my pro dev, I make that available for the, 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 the community that we have there to come in and shoot it themselves. So it's, it's really boils down to kind of working at the grassroots level and creating a community where they feel comfortable and safe and willing to come back. Um, like our biggest goal is not the one, the, the one and done student. Our biggest goal is to try to repeat those students' experiences. So it's a challenge. And we've kind of like learned as we go, like what works, what programs are working, what programs are not working. And I think that's one of the testaments that I am very proud about for our facility is that, you know, we'll, we'll try something. We'll come up with a, a theory about, hey, why, why is this? Well, maybe because of that. Well, maybe if we do this, we'll solve that. And we put it in action. And like our biggest goal is like just get something to market. Minimum, you know, we just need the, the minimum value, minimum viable product to get to the market. And then if it works, we'll tweak it. We'll really fine tune it. And it's been a pretty good model for us. And I, I'm, I'm thrilled with the number of return students that we're getting, the number of um, folks that take the next step to come in for training, actual more formalized training, or even become members of our Gunfighter Club, which is a monthly month, monthly training subscription. Mm. So, you know, it's a, it's a work in progress, but it's a lot of fun. And here's the other thing, too, that I'm I, – I, uh, like I would, I would get calls periodically um, throughout my career of somebody that would have been involved in the shooting. And, you know, on the law enforcement and military side, it's one thing because it's almost kind of implied, you know, that's kind of the job, right? Um, but on the private sector, I will have um, single mothers. I will have the, um, you know, older generations that'll come back and say to me, how happy they are, how much better they feel as a person, um, where they live, where they work, their confidence. And it's absolutely mind blowing to have that type of an impact on another human being. So that to me is kind of like the, um, that's my, that's the drug that I am addicted to that I keep trying to get back to. So the more people we contact, the more people we um, can work with, the better, I, the, the, the bigger the fix is that I get. So that's kind of my, my theory, if you will. Mm, right on. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what do you think, like, it, it's hard for us sometimes, those of us that have been, you know, doing this for a while, mm -hmm. uh, to, you know, change the paradigm, you know, for, you know, within ourselves, within our yeah. brains, you know, and, and put ourselves back in the shoes of someone that is, 
brand new. I mean, maybe they just bought their first gun last week. Or or you sure. even talked about how you, you'll have students come through and they don't even own a gun yet. They're coming through for the training, which is good. In fact, actually, I don't necessarily think that's always a bad thing because sometimes mm-hmm. in, in going through the training course, they're you know, they'll have opportunities to learn. Well, I actually think I prefer that gun over this gun or, you know, because they'll, they'll pick true. that up. But uh, <clears throat> either way, it's hard to put myself even, you know, back in those shoes of where I was, say, I don't know, 15, almost 20 years ago, where I was just getting into this and I didn't, I didn't know stuff. I didn't know anything. You know, I didn't know squat. Um, I thought I knew stuff. You know, I grew up shooting guns and grew up, grew up along around guns. Uh, Jared, I saw commented on Facebook a little while ago that, uh, sometimes it's surprising, you know, uh, how, little people that say they've been shooting around guns all their lives actually know about actually using a gun, especially in a self-defense context. It's just a different world. So what do you think, I mean, where, what do you think is a natural progression for somebody? Like how do we help somebody go from their first exposure perhaps to a gun or their first, um, exposure to even the idea of concealed carry like how what is a good natural progression to go from beginner to someone that's actually starting to take it on as a lifestyle yeah that is a tough question to answer because we've got so many different like we have so many different um challenges if you will like we've got everything from lifestyles to um genders to finances. I mean, it's really hard to give you a, you know, just a cookie cutter type response. So what I will tell you is um, one of the best things that we can do as instructors is to really remind ourselves of where we came from, right? You were just talking about, you know, 15 years ago, I thought I knew squat. Well, what I have found to be really important is being able to connect with students and remind them that, hey, you know what? I was in your shoes at one point many years ago. I I can sympathize. And I think having that level of empathy with them is a great starting point because it really helps to create a good connection. And that's one of the most important things that I feel is not discussed in the instructing world, which is your ability to connect with your student body Mm. and not connect with them. Um, But I mean, when I say connect with them, I'm talking about building a level of trust that is so critical, particularly for something as sensitive as self-defense. The moment you've lost that trust, it's done. You're, you're gone. You work all this time to build that trust and you do something stupid and it's gone. So I feel like that's a big start for many people is to kind of think back to where you were, have empathy for these people. They're going to ask questions that will grate on your nerves. They're going to ask you questions that you're going to sit there. And this is the way I explain it to people. It's like, you ever get on an airplane and you're sitting there and the stewardess is just saying, Hey, well, somewhere on that aircraft is a person who's never heard it, which is the reason why every single time you hear that safety brief. Right? So I try to remind, I try to tell people that like, you may have, you may have you may know that question inside and out. That may have been asked to you 30,000 times, but it's the first time that person is asking that question of you. And so having a little empathy with them and saying, you know, this is a great question. Let, let's let's kind of, let's explore this together and let's try to come up with um, some good solutions for yourself. 
is huge. I think, again, you know, that's the kind of thing, like um, I had a student who, fantastic, I mean, just a fantastic soul. She was um, readily admitted to being very much the um, kind of like the black sheep of her family because she was the liberal. Mm-hmm. And she grew up around guns, her her parents, her brothers and everything. And she just had a very good nature about her that was just like, well, you do you and I'll do me. And it was great. It worked fine for her and her family, right? And then she had um, an event occur. She's a single mom and it really rattled her. And so she had a paradigm shift of her own and she has become one of the most, you know, competent shooters that I see her at the facility all the time. She's in there. She's constantly working for herself because now she gets it. Now it's all kind of like, and I feel like when a student reaches that point, when the light bulb clicks, when they realize, Ooh, you mean it's me? I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm the guy, I'm the guy or the, I'm the girl that's got to do this. It's like, okay, well, crap. Uh, If that's the case, then I need to do it as best as I possibly can. And I always tell people, remember what's at stake. What's at stake here is your family, your well-being, your family's well-being. So maybe it's worth kind of putting, a, putting aside what I consider to be some petty, petty issues and, and really thinking of the big picture. So being able to relate to those students and have that empathy and trying not to come across as a know-it-all, even if you do know it all, is really hard for a lot of instructors these days. There is this desire to try to impress people by you know a variety of ways but one of the ways that you don't impress people is by making by belittling people and making people feel insignificant in the class they're already take they're already taking a huge step to just be in the class people don't recognize that you know it's one of the things that we do on a regular basis which is we acknowledge the effort and the 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 courage that somebody had to just put themselves in the class it's huge. So you're not going to make a lot of long-term relationships with that type of attitude or that type of business Mm -hmm. practice. It's going to burn out really quick. You'll do well for a little bit. And then after a while, you're like, how come nobody's coming back? Mm -hmm. There's a reason. Yeah. Um, Matthew, uh, I I suspect that you don't really have much of an issue uh, connecting with students because uh, you're, you're pretty, pretty decent dude, but, uh, (laughs) um, That's what you think. What do you <laughs> What do you think about this? As far as, um, you know, imagine that you are a brand new shooter, a brand new concealed carrier, just beginning your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to pick both of your brains a little bit. As far as, I like to use the word lifestyle because to me, I think that's what it has to be if you're really going to take concealed carry seriously. Because lifestyle means like it's it's part of your life. It's something that you do regularly a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. on a you know near daily basis uh and, and that that means that generally you're having to make wardrobe changes right uh activity changes maybe you do certain things you didn't used to do or maybe you stopped doing some things you used to do uh maybe you are careful about the activities you pursue because you're carrying a gun and you make sure you take steps to you know for instance uh maybe not dancing at nightclubs and doing backflips uh <laughs> you know while you're carrying a gun or something <laughs> um you know you, you see what i mean so like how do we we have somebody that's just beginning this journey and for them it's really hard 
to, to understand that, to see what that means. And some people don't have the desire for it to become a lifestyle. Like a common answer I hear in classes, I, I always ask students like, like, why are you here? Like, why did you, what are you here for today? Um, cause I think that why is really important. And one thing that comes out is, well, occasionally I, I, I might want to carry my gun. And so it'd be nice to have, right? It's a convenience thing or kind of covering their bases sort of thing. Like, well, for those times where I think I want to carry a gun and particularly in a state where maybe open carry already is, is legal even without a permit, which is not the case in Texas. You got to have an LTC in Texas mm-hmm. to carry openly. But, but like in Colorado, like they might think, well, you know, I'm going to carry openly maybe occasionally, but in case my jacket went over the gun or something, like I want to make sure that I'm covered with that permit. So like it's, it's more of a convenience thing. So how yeah. do we help somebody work their way down that path towards it becoming more of a lifestyle or, or is that, is that important at all? Do we just say, Oh, okay, that's not for you. Or do we, do we try to encourage it all in that way? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give my answer and then I'll let Jeff articulate it better in his words. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I think you hit on, on a big thing is lifestyle. And when we ask anybody to change a lifestyle, um, you know, we ask people that have heart disease or diabetes, just don't eat these foods, walk, you know, a mile a day, just simple things that will help you live longer. Right. And we, and, and people still push back. They're, they're unwilling to change what they're, what they do on a daily basis. And, and some of them are unwilling, but if we can educate them, I think a lot of times people go and they pick up a gun and it doesn't fit their, their body, it, you know, as far as like fitting their hand or it's too large and, and they can't get a holster that works for concealment. And so they're just like, I can't do this. You know, I can't conceal this 1911 in this uncle Mike's holster that I got at Walmart. So I'm just not going to carry It's not for me. I only do it sometimes. And that's the problem. I think we have to like really educate them because we can, we can help them understand the importance of caring every day. But it's kind of like that doctor who says like, dude, you can't eat or you can't smoke anymore or you're going to die of lung cancer. Right. But it's important, but they still don't know an alternative or they don't know, you know, how to stop. So if we say, Hey, you know, try these methods, gum or whatever it might be. So I think we have to show them like choosing the right gun is, is, is important. Choosing the right holster. Um, Maybe you might have to change your clothes, the type of clothing a little bit, but um, yeah, you're, you're putting like a pound of metal on your body. It's going to feel a little uncomfortable at first. I mean, when I first started, begin carrying this phone. That's huge. I was like, man, this is weird. I don't want to do this. Um, because I remember when we didn't have cell phones. Right. And so I think changing, um, sort of their mindset and giving them or educating them on how to do it properly will help. That's, I, I, that's kind of where I go with people like that. Hmm. Well, I I think you're, I think you're, Right on in the um, in the case of you know the educational aspect, I think that's a very important thing. And I like I tried to like here's the thing. The reason why the health industry has struggled with regards to fighting obesity is because it's been an all or nothing kind of thing, right? And I I I'm not a I'm not a dietitian or I'm not a doctor. But, you know, I do have the ability or I do have the claim of saying I did sleep in a Holiday Inn once. (laughs) But my point is that 
I feel like there's got to be some middle ground, some moderation in things. And what I tell people is like, hey, listen, you know what? Um, a gun is better than no gun. If you're comfortable carrying this gun, even though it's not ideal, it's not what I would choose, then I'm happy to help you try to carry that gun. Because what I believe is that at a certain point, people become self-aware. And once they become self-aware, um, a lot of these issues work themselves out as they start to become educated and they start to figure things out. And then they come back and ask really good penetrating questions that are perfect. Um, and then the, I think the other thing that we have to really encourage them is, you know, it's, it's okay to not know everything. It's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to not have it perfect in the beginning, because again, it's that minimum viable product that we're trying to get to the market. And I would rather have somebody who will occasionally carry um, that will at some point become, because let's, let's face it, you know, it's like uh, you didn't just one day wake up and start carrying a gun every single day. And, and again, I see it all the time. People make comments, been reading some of the comments, well, I carry every day. Yeah, no, you really don't. Um, because the way that we define EDC is 80% of the day, 80% of the year you're carrying. So that equates to about 275 days out of the year for more than 12 hours out of that day you're carrying. And that's a pretty significant amount of time. I think people carry on a frequent basis, but not an everyday basis. And that's okay because that works for them. And that's my point. It's like they're carrying for what works for them. At a certain point, people that carried infrequently start carrying occasionally. People that were carrying occasionally start carrying frequently. People that carry frequently start carrying every day. And that's kind of like the way I make it. It's like I don't need them to buy in and drink the Kool-Aid on day one. What I need them to do is to be kind of like, I'm, I'm more of a, like I'm more of a, a guide. I need to guide them down the path that they take that eventually leads to where they start to figure things out on their own. And it's huge because again, it's self-empowering and they've, I mean, people really appreciate that. They, they don't want to be told what to do. They want to be able to experience it and learn it for themselves. And I mean, after all, we're all adults here and that's kind of, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that's going to solve everybody's problems, but I feel like some of the issues that we're having with trying to get more people to carry on a frequent basis, that's one way to solve that problem. Mm. Yeah. I have to agree with that. I think, you know, as far as just beginning that journey. Why, thank and, you, Riley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by, by taking those beginning steps, you know, and succeeding at that. I mean, I, I think that's part of it too, is like, <clears throat> there's gotta be these little, these little uh, battles won along the way, you know, like, yeah. oh, wow, like I got my permit. Okay, what's the next thing? Well, I'm gonna actually carry my gun for the first time. Wow, I did that today. Like, that was crazy. You know, now I wanna do it again. Um, and hopefully over time, it uh, it continues to build on itself. Can um, I interrupt really quick? Sure. I'm sorry, you sure. just hit a great point. So one of the comments, one of the questions that we get is like, what's next? And one of the things that I tell students is exactly what you just said, which is, hey, you get your permit, you still don't feel comfortable carrying, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to carry in your home, mm -hmm. unloaded, as often as you can. Carry it as much as you possibly can. And it's it's like, that gives them like the, you know, wait a minute, you mean I don't have to actually carry in public? No, no, you don't. Yeah. Get comfortable carrying this in your own home first. Learn about all these things that Matt was talking about, how it's yeah. uncomfortable and you gotta learn all that. Learn about it in the safety of your own home where you're not gonna be judged or criticized. You don't have to worry about what people think because that's the biggest problem a lot of times that we hear follow-ups is like, I'm worried that everybody knows that I'm carrying. Yeah. <laughs> There's the large majority of people that don't care about you. I'm sorry. It's just, I don't mean to be rude, but a lot of people really don't care what you do. 
the small p the small amount of people that do know are kind of like again um like-minded individuals like like us like we might see something and say oh i bet you yeah that kind of gives me the impression that somebody's caring and then of course there's the um the uh the predators that are out there that are looking specifically for certain things right so if they can start to just build up this like little bitty stair steps of carrying in their own home. And I tell them, start by carrying an unloaded gun to begin with. Just carry that as often as you possibly can in your yeah. home. Minimal and risk. I, I have a, I have a time, exactly. I have a timetable, kind of like a little formula for them that I give at the end of class. Like, Hey, take this, go ahead and start doing this. This is your, and because sometimes it's like, it, it's somebody like you, me, Matt, that has to tell them guys, it's okay. You don't have to go out on the streets right after you've got your license if you don't feel comfortable because that's one of the major major um, whole things that hold people back. It's like they feel like I'm not ready. Hmm. I'm not prepared for this. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. It's so overwhelming. It's intimidating. And that's right there. Pushback, number one. So big step is just what you were mentioning right there. So yeah. I apologize for interrupting, but it was such a good point. I felt like we had to elaborate. It's great. No, uh, you know, and those little wins along the way, I think, like I said, are very, very important. Um, you know, also just actually to your point, uh, one thing there I think is really important because every time you, you carry a gun for the first time in public, like, yeah, you're super paranoid because you feel like everybody's watching you. Uh, that's just, that's how it is for everybody. Um, but the more you do it at home, the more comfortable you'll get, you know, and then also you can walk around the house and make sure that your clothing choices are working, you know, that you're actually concealing you know, success, ah, successfully, that you can actually look at the mirror and go, yeah, that looks okay. Or, oh, you know, I need to make a little change here. You can ask your spouse, your, you know, if you have a, an older child, you know, that's uh, maybe a little bit more uh, aware of things, uh, you know, any, anything like that, that you can get that feedback at home before you got, go out in public. Now, I will give a caution that uh, when you know you're carrying a gun, uh, you'll be hypersensitive to like, oh, I see a little bump. Oh, that's my gun. Like, you know exactly what it is. Uh, out in public, that's probably not, you know, no one's going to notice, right? But uh, obviously, we want to try to be concealed when we need to be concealed. But uh but just some kind of cautionary, you know, words there of advice that it's really easy to be kind of paranoid and hyper vigilant about <laughs> yourself uh, and everybody else around you. So a case in point. Um, so I started off doing a lot of work overseas in what we call low vis capacities. So I would have to work in um, non-permissive environments in plain clothes, civilian clothes, and I'd be carrying a gun and um, yeah, like I, that was my job. Yeah. Okay. And then when I left the Navy and I relocated to Arizona, I took a, uh, I, I, I started down the path of a job where um, I was going to be working with a family and they, you know, they, there was this question of being armed and they were like, yeah, absolutely. Definitely need to be armed. So I remember I went out and I, I started exploring, getting my license to carry. I was in the state of Arizona at the time. And when I first put that gun on and started carrying it in Arizona, I was so paranoid. Now, this is coming from somebody who had carried, literally had gone through pat-downs in the HVT layers and worked around these guys at all times of the day. And I did it with such level of confidence that you wouldn't even know, right? But I'm back in my home country. I'm back in my home state. And now I've got a license to carry. And I was freaked out about it. <laughs> so everybody has to go through those learning curves, those learning pains, if you will. And everybody will have their own little challenges but I, this is another, this is another way to relate to people. It's like everybody goes through this. Everybody will have this sense of dread or paranoia about what they're doing, and it's just part of the process. Yeah, 
I do think, you know, we talked about how a lot of times I think for concealed carriers, uh, as they begin their journey and as they succeed and they do a little more and they do a little more, um, I, I also think that there's times where people take a step back. And I, I'm curious your thoughts were, I, I, I do, like I said, I, I mean, I'm thinking of myself, actually, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the first times that I started carrying concealed, like trying to do it on a daily basis, and I failed miserably. Uh, I lasted probably three, four, five days, maybe, and was like, "This just isn't working." And for me, what it was was not knowing enough <laughs> on the subject of good quality holsters and mm-hmm. how to carry them. So, I, what thoughts do you have, or advice do you have to offer to uh, particularly beginning concealed carriers, as far as like? as it relates to actually carrying a gun and how, and what they can do to set themselves up for the best success? So that's a great question because we get that quite a bit in classes actually. And the first thing I will tell people is probably not what they want to hear, which <laughs> is you're going to have to choose something that is popular to carry. In other words, a, a more popular gun. Because if you try to pick something that's a niche gun, you're going to find very few options available for you. So you're already trying to navigate through these waters of holster selections and what's best for you, what's going to work. And now you're, you've got this not rare gun, but gun. And you got to understand that holster manufacturers are a for-profit organization. They're (laughs) going to make holsters that sell. So it makes sense that they're going to, probably make holsters for the most popular handguns. You know, if you go into, you know, the NRA's magazine of, you know, the top 10 most popular handguns, those guns are the ones that they're making holsters for. It's not that, it's not that hard to figure out. Right. But we'll have these guys that'll come in with these, these guns and they've got like two or three holster choices, or they've got to wait forever to have a custom holster made. And then they find out that this holster is not ideal. And here's the problem that I run into buyer's remorse they buy something and they they did a little bit of research they might have talked to some people they get the product they start wearing it and then it's like this sucks <laughs> and rather than acknowledge that and move on to something different they keep pushing this bad position and that's really what you have to avoid you cannot become married to whatever it is whether it's the gun whether it's the ammo whether it's the holster the belt whatever it is if it's not working even if you paid a pretty penny for it, you're going to want to move on because you're not doing yourself any favors by continuing to use something that just isn't producing good results. So that's it. That's kind of like one of the things that people don't want to hear. What? I'm like, yeah, that's a terrible holster, but it looks like it would work. I'm like, yeah, but it's not going to. <laughs> and you're just going to need to get rid of it. And and here's what I tell people. It's like, um, you know, again, because of, of what we're doing and trying to break, break down these barriers, we have all that stuff to provide students. So a student doesn't need anything other than their hot body to show up, you know, with a pulse. And we provide everything for them. We have the holsters, the belts, the guns, the magazines, the ammo, eyes and ears. Just come in there and boom, it's all done for you, right? And the reason why we do that is, again, to try to break down these barriers to entry. Because at that point, now the student starts to become a little self-aware about, oh, wait a minute, why did this holster work so well for me? Why did I like this holster so much? And we start to talk about holster features and why you look for these features and why you avoid those features. And now they're like, oh my God, this holster has all those features that I want. (gasps) This is so awesome. It's a huge, it's a, it's a, it's a no brainer to some extent. And it really helps a lot of the beginner shooters because now they have a reference point, a good reference point, not a bad one. 
So don't be married to the, no, first of all, don't pick something that's a niche item. I don't care what it is. Don't, don't be that, you know, it's like when, uh, I remember, do you guys remember that Chevy avalanche when it, uh, mm. the Chevy avalanche is kind of like that first of its kind kind of thing. Yep. When it rolled off the assembly line, it was so cool. I was like, Oh my God, it's got all these compartments and it could do this. It could do all that stuff. I got to have that. And I just was like, Whoa, hold up. Let's wait a while. And I waited about a year for all the factory recalls to come through. And then I'm like, eh, I'm not really that enamored with it anymore. You know, after I realized all the stuff that had to, that it had to go through to, to be street worthy, I was like, no more. So <laughs> like, try not to get wrapped up in the newest, greatest, coolest, prettiest thing. There's tried and true products that are out there, platforms that are out there. And a lot of times they make the best place to start. You know, I mean, it really is, you know, the most popular, you know, your Glocks, your SIGs, your Smith & Wessons. There's a reason why they're, you know, popular sellers because they work and they fit and they 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 fit a a public need very well. And so manufacturers of holsters design. I mean, you, you can almost walk into a Walmart and now find a holster for a Glock pistol. You know, I mean, that's how you know uh, how widespread these things are these days. So that's one. Two, don't get attached to it. If it doesn't work, you know, set yourself up with some parameters. Okay. It's got to do this, this, and this. And if it doesn't do this, this, or that, then get rid of it. I mean, I have boxes of holsters. I used to travel when I did this, when we did the class, like in the early stages, I would travel with a bag, like <laughs> a check bag that had nothing but holsters in it. There was like 40 plus holsters, mag pouches, magazine, I'm sorry, belts, and all different types of uh, methods of carrying in just its own check bag. Cause it just got so big. I stopped doing that because I got tired of paying the extra baggage fee. But, um, you know, most of those holsters didn't work for me, but they might work for you. And so we would just throw them out there. Hey, here you go. Take them, see if it works. If it works, great. Here's, you know, all the manufacturer product stuff is all taped onto the, you know, that was the other thing. Well, who makes this holster? Why don't you read that piece of tape? There's a piece of tape on there. It's going to tell you the make and model and the whole and where that holster came from. Take a picture of it. Now you got it. So that worked out. And it's kind of funny too, because that's the other way that we kept track of where our holsters were. They had this nice white, I think at first it was white. Then we changed it to pink tape tab on the outside of the holster with the name of the holster manufacturer and the model number. And then I would tell people just take a picture of that, but it was also our way of knowing, okay, where are all of our holsters? Because sometimes <laughs> they don't make it back into the bag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Matthew? Uh, as far as like, you know, good choices of gear. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that's why nine millimeter is so popular because that's I mean, right. it's cheap. You can go train a lot with it. There's many platforms that have nine millimeter. And so I think it's, that's, that's why it's so important, but I'll, I'll take it from the other side and say like, also you have to be careful of the gear freaks or, you know, gear guys that are just focused on gear and they'll come with, you know, the <laughs> most expensive Kimber 1911, like a leather custom holster that got all the rivets. Right. <laughs> and, and, and they've never shot the gun or you're asking them, like I had a guy, um, we were, you know, practicing uh, one handed manipulation, slide manipulation, and he was afraid to use the slides to rack uh, the, the sights to rack the slide because He's like, well, it's going to scratch my gun. And I'm like, this is a tool, dude. <laughs> this, this is a tool, right? It's not something that, you know, you need to make sure that this functions the way it actually needs to function in real life. If you just want a pretty gun, this isn't not 
the place for that pretty gun. And so I think some of the, you know, and I totally agree that, you know, you need to get, um, uh, gear that, that, that works. But I think at a certain point, um, you know, you, you jump the, the, the line into like, now I think the gear is going to make me a better shooter or the gear is going to make me more comfortable. And it's not going to happen unless you practice. And so I think, um, I just take the opposite side, you know, cause Jeff, you, you covered it really well, but, uh, be careful of that swinging the pendulum so far that way too. So true. So true. It's very true. I mean, that's another thing is that, um, a lot of times as a beginner student, there's this idea that everything can be solved with hardware solutions. Mm-hmm. And yep. a, a, as a beginner student, your only real your only tool to solving problems is really a software solutions. You know, you're, you're at that, that uh, stage of development and growth where equipment's really not going to make a difference. I mean, there's there within reason, you know, if you got something really, really bad, that's a different story, but for the most part um, it's, it's really difficult to deal with uh, those types of um, I had a student just last night who was shooting a firearm that I've seen him shoot several times. And I'm like, mm. It's just not for you, buddy. It's not for you, but it's going to, you know, it's, it's, it's going to take him time to figure that out. You know, I can't, like I said, you can lead the horse to water. Plus nobody wants to tell their ba- tell somebody that their baby's ugly, right? Nobody wants to be that person that says that. So a lot of times that's a self-discovery path that they have to kind of figure that out on their own. Unfortunately, there's, there's a really steep learning curve to the figuring it out on your own. Yeah. Good thoughts, gentlemen. Uh, it's about time we wrap this up. Jeff, I mean, do you feel yeah. like uh, we've covered this adequately enough? I mean, like, what, oh, what would be man. some last words you'd have on the subject of, I mean, like, what? how do we get old over yeah. these these roadblocks that sometimes uh, concealed carriers um, discover along the way? Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that, I'm going to tackle that question from two different um, directions. One direction will be as the student, one direction will be as the instructor. As a student... Um, as a beginner student learning this trade, I would tell you that you're on the right path just simply by watching a resource such as this video or this podcast or this live cast. I'm not even sure <laughs> what this is anymore. And, um, and, and, and being and, and making it important to educate yourself. You're on the right path. You're going to go a long ways. Right. Um, then there's uh, the instructor side of the house, which is, the instructors, the instructors have got to do a better job of helping to manage the anxiety of a beginner student that's coming in there. That's just the most important thing that we do is to keep them coming back. And so you've got, as an instructor, you have a lot of work to do to make sure that you can encourage those students to just recognize that everything that they're feeling is normal and everything that um, they're going to undergo you yourself have undergone and you can speak with authority and you can share and empathize with them about the struggles they're going to go through that there's, there's something to be said. I mean, there's reason why CrossFit is so successful is because you suffer together and everybody is equal. Everybody works and puts in the same effort, even if it's different, you know, games athlete to new athlete, it's all the same. You're putting in the same effort. Right. And I think that model works very well in this, in this condition or in this situation, because we all are going to suffer together. My suffering might've been decades ago, but that doesn't mean that I don't recall how frustrated it was or how disappointed I was or how many times I missed or how many times I didn't do it right or blah, blah, blah. That doesn't mean that those are not fresh in my memory. 
Um, particularly, you know, as I get older, I start to reflect more on, on a lot of that. And that has helped me to really connect with so many of our new, I mean, you, we've seen the numbers. There's huge number of gun owners, huge number of licenses to carry, but there's still a very small number of people that actually are carrying. And that is what we need to be doing as instructors is increasing the number of people that are carrying, not just getting licenses. I used to think that was, that was the money. Get as many licenses out there as we can. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that. But now as we look a little deeper, we've got to get more people to be comfortable carrying on a regular basis. It's mm. a good good way to wrap it up, man. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, like, <laughs> what, what more can I say? I mean, that's why we bring you on. You're the expert. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, it's, there's something to be said, though, for uh, putting students at ease, <clears throat> shooters at ease. I mean, we want, we want it to be a positive experience every time. Damn straight. And uh, this is something that isn't figured out overnight. Like the the whole Mm-mm. going from not owning a gun to owning a gun, from not carrying a gun to carrying a gun to, you know, that, that, all of that just does not happen overnight. It's it's a process. So did along, something happen? Uh, I don't know. Did something happen? Are you talking to the feed here? Did it freeze? Now, now it's going. Feed oh, is going okay. again. It froze. Cool. Yeah, but it's yeah, going good. No worries. But yeah, so, you know... The, it, it's a process. It takes time and patience. And that's actually something too that sometimes I, I will talk with students about. Like I'll get questions like, well, you know, this doesn't feel like it's really working out for me. And and, and because I can see, well, hey, you know what? They're, they're using a, a decent quality gun. Uh, they, they have decent quality gear. Um, but there's a lot of experimentation. And frankly, just like I said, some patience involved. Like sometimes carrying a holster, you almost just need to give it some time. You know, you might put it on, put, put something <laughs> on me. one time, you know, and be like, "Ooh, I don't know if I like that." But give us some time because you got to give every, I think everything a fair shake and see if it's going to work or not. And, and you don't figure that out in five minutes. I mean, sometimes maybe you do. I mean, with experience, you might be able to. There you go. You know, figure some of that out a bit yes. quicker. But but sometimes you just need a little bit of patience. You are so right, and not only oh, that, I'll you. add this. Yes. Well, you are right, and of course we knew that. But um, I would add one more thing, which is. Uh, the students also need to be, um, they need to take it easy on themselves. Yeah. They need to not create any more anxiety by feeling like they have to have this all done overnight. I have to be master of this today, this weekend, by the end of the day, whatever the case might be. Take it easy on yourself. Allow yourself to make mistakes. Allow yourself to tread lightly or step you know, you know, into the waiting pool little by little and, and move at your own pace, a pace that you feel comfortable with. But mm kind of give yourself a little, you know, don't be so critical of, of yourself. Cause that's another thing that I see a lot of times is um, students will shut down because in their head, they have this idea that they need to be doing it like this. Cause they've seen some, they see somebody doing it and they're like, I got to be like that. Well, yeah, but that guy's been doing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Be patient. Make time. <laughs> awesome, man. It's been a pleasure talking with you again, uh, Jeff. Uh, it's always Thank a pleasure you. here on the podcast. Yes. Uh, hopefully there was some value for listeners in today's episode. Uh, of course, as always, if you have feedback for us, feel free to uh, email us at podcast at concealedcarry.com. Uh, you're also welcome to leave a review of the of the show. Uh, you can do that on Apple's iTunes, or even you can do so in Google Play if, if you use either of those uh, platforms to listen through. Um, 
A reminder that today's episode is made possible because of Trident Concepts. So go give us some, <laughs> go, 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 go give us some love. You know, TridentConcepts.com. In fact, I've got uh, I've been kind of playing with it in my hands because I, I play with things in my hands a lot of times. Oh. You know, and I have here some of your takeos oh, cards. Oh, right on, yeah. right on. Yeah. So uh, these are great. We sell these in our online store. So yes. Um, if this is the first time people are hearing of the takeos cards, can you give just a quick summary yeah, of, yeah, yeah, of what yeah. this I'd love is? To. Uh, so I got um, a lot of times at the end of classes, I'd have students ask me, hey, what can I do? Can you give me some drills to practice? Can you do this? Can you do that? And it, it just was, you know, there's liability issues. There's other issues. So eventually what we did was I put um, put a training program together. And what I did was I broke it down into a deck of cards. So there's four suits and um, the four different disciplines are speed, accuracy, baselines and dry fire. And so the the point behind it was to give fun, to give some form to to people's practice sessions. So they're not just going there and blasting away and really not being able to make progress. It, you can take those cards. You can, uh, as you know, go through them, see the total round count per card, and say, you know what, I got fifty rounds. This this drill takes twenty. This drill takes thirty. There you go. These two drills, blocks of fifty. Bada bing, bada bang. Takos is an acronym stands for Task Conditions and Standards. So it gives you the task, the conditions to shoot it to, and the standard at which you want to meet. And so now you can have a method to try to track your progress over time. Come back, shoot the, uh, you know, the ace of spades one day, a month later, see if you've made any progress. Um, so I love it. In fact, we're going to be doing a video on it um, this month, and we'll post that video up, and I'll, I'll make sure to link it to you guys so that you guys can get some. Sometimes people don't really understand how the cards work or they just don't, they can't conceptualize it until they buy it and then they look at it. So this is, this video is going to be a little helping tool to kind of get some information out to folks. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So I, I just think these are awesome. They're, Thanks. they're, they're, they're really cool. Um, the, the concept, like you said, the different suits and different, you know, like whether you're working on baseline, establishing a baseline or dry fire or whatever it is, Really, really cool concept. So again, you can find these in our online store, concealedcarry.com or at tridentconcepts.com. Sure. Um, <clears throat> cool. Then also, uh, again, a reminder, Vehicle Firearm Tactics, uh, the training DVD or online streaming version of that of that video, uh, available this week only on sale. Uh, use Road Trip 2019 to save big and get the bonus Legal Boundaries by State uh, Legal Guide, all right, Travel Guide. So with that, we're going to wrap this one up, folks. Uh, thanks again. Uh, it's been a, been a pleasure. And uh, Jeff, we'll look forward to connecting with you again very soon, sir. For sure. I'll look forward to it myself. Awesome. So folks, with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.